friends, you have now entered the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper, a podcast where we talk mostly about sports, but sometimes we mix in some other fun topics and conversations. So sit back and join us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast with Dan Casper. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this new episode of the Man Cave Podcast brought to you by Hy-V and Toys and Ford. I'm your host, Dan Casper, as always, and appreciate you checking us out, checking out this episode of the podcast, whether you are a regular or a first-time listener to the pod. Hopefully, we can make you a regular listener to the podcast. On this episode, we're hitting up a couple things. Uh, we're going to talk a little uh, about more Aaron Rodgers drama on the article by Matt Schneidman from The Athletic, where he was able to talk to, to Aaron Rodgers. After that, we're talking uh, talking a little golf with NBC Sports golf analyst Mark Rolfing, uh, because uh, the U.S. Senior Open is going to be coming to Century World here in Wisconsin. So Mark uh, able to join us here for a little bit and give us his analysis on the upcoming U.S. Senior Open. But uh, we lead things off with the, with this episode of the podcast. First, talking about uh, that article, a uh, really good article written by Matt Schneidman, who covers the Green Bay Packers for The Athletic. I don't want to make this story time. I'm not going to read the, the whole article that just dropped a little over an hour ago from The Athletic. Matt Schneidman, who covers the Packers uh, for The Athletic. I just had a chance to read it earlier this morning. I know uh, some of you don't have... Uh, subscription you have to have a subscription to to read the, the, this article so you'll have to drop a, a couple bucks uh, to read it but I got to cover too uh, I've I've read it I had a chance to peruse it before hopping on uh, the air this morning so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna read the whole thing but I want to give you my biggest takeaways and then after we kind of go through them or, or the highlights of it and after we go through them be curious to hear what your biggest takeaways are from this so it was you know if you follow matt on on twitter as he posted what really happened with aaron Rodgers and the packers in the three years after they took jordan love i heard stories and then asked rogers if he wanted to respond he called me and he had plenty to say so here are some of the highlights from the piece and again you can you can check out the the whole thing by uh, visiting theathletic.com. Uh, let's start off with, and yeah, not we we don't need to rehash the whole, you know, drafting of of love. We've we've heard kind of the similar stuff. It was uh, Rogers' agent David Dunn, who ironically is Jordan Love's agent. At least I think he still is. I haven't heard anything different. Uh, that texted Aaron that he was the first one to let Aaron know that the Packers were drafting a quarterback. So obviously David Dunn would probably know before a lot of other people outside of, of Green Bay. So he uh, simply texted uh, Rogers, you know, QB. And uh, Aaron was actually supposed to be making his second appearance on Pat McAfee's show, that draft special that he does, and then canceled it and poured himself a little tequila and waited for somebody to call him. So, you know, to, to quote Seinfeld, blah, 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 you know, yeah, not blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Fast forward to the 2021 offseason. Remember the 2021 offseason? This was uh, one highlight from the piece from The Athletic. 
according to a source associated with the team who was granted uh, and you know granted to be anonymous to candidly discuss the sensitive dynamics between the front office and the star quarterback early in the 2021 offseason, Dunn, Rodgers' agent, called Packers president Mark Murphy with a request. Fire Brian, fire Brian Gutekinds or trade Aaron Rodgers. Murphy didn't either, and then months later, news broke that uh, Rodgers wanted out of Green Bay. The Packers held firm. We all remember the 2021 offseason, right? And then Matt Schneidman asked Rodgers about the demand. When asked about the demand, Rodgers referred to his agent, who did not reply to the Athletics' request for comment. That, to me, tells tells me there was a request, Okay. If Aaron is saying you'll have to refer to Dunn, there was a request. I think it's simple right there. If there wasn't, if that was just complete baloney and poo-poo, Rodgers has not been afraid in his history, especially in the last few years, to call out what he sees as BS or what he feels is BS, especially when it's pertaining to him, right? He's not afraid to do that. We've seen that. He's he's voiced that numerous times on his buddy Pat McAfee's show. So, yeah. As it goes on, Rodgers stayed away from the team until days before training camp uh, late in July. And after, among other things, Goody extended an olive branch by trading for wide receiver Randall Cobb, Rodgers' best friend and former teammate. I was under contract for one, so definitely wasn't going to hold out and let them find me. There were a lot of things that I was hoping were going to change, and they made some promises about things they were going to try and do better. But I just felt like coming back, have a good season, move forward, and just not focus on some of the things that I really felt strongly about, but that may or may not actually ever get done. And then we know after the first practice of camp, that's infamous presser afterwards, right, where Rodgers aired his grievances. According to Rodgers, the communication between him and Goody improved somewhat. And then he throws this in here. It still wasn't anywhere near what I've already enjoyed here with the Jets in just a few short weeks. So there you go. You got your first one. It's already better with with the Jets. Well, okay. You're in the honeymoon phase, right? You're in the honeymoon phase. Everything is going to be dreamy, perfect. When you start that new relationship, you're all goo-goo-gaga for each other. Everything is just perfect. You're in the honeymoon phase. Of course it's already better. What are you talking about? But, and this is one of the ironic, irony things, one of the highlight, another highlight from from this piece that kind of stood out to me was that this part here, where it says the Packers believe privately 
that both parties had moved past the conflict, but that Rodgers felt like Executive Vice President and Director of Football Operations Russ Ball was the only member of the front office who took the message to heart. Roger said, I mean, Russ definitely made an effort to be more seen, to be a better communicator, to be around more, to interact with the guys more, and I really appreciated his effort to grow and to listen to some of the things I was saying and try and make the culture and the place a better environment. I thought Russ, more than anybody, really showed that he cared and showed a lot of personal growth, and I give him credit for that. The irony in this whole thing is if you go back to right before Goody was hired as general manager for the Packers, there was a report out there. There was a nugget out there that Rodgers, and again, I I don't know if this was 100% true, but it was reported that Rodgers did not want Russ Ball as general manager. That he, He didn't want him as general manager. There was that that report out there. More looking more, I guess, for the scouting background, right? Looking for the GM with the more of that scouting background. So the irony in this whole thing, to me, and, and kind of a little, you know, to quote, uh, was, was to say, isn't it ironic that if we believe the report from a few years ago that Rodgers didn't want Russ Ball as his new general manager, yet now the only one that he has positive things to say is Russ Ball. There you go. Uh, to go back, I forgot this part too. Uh, with the with the drafting of of Jordan Love, there was there was uh, uh, Rogers had, had had made a mention that uh, you know guys were telling him that that Matt Lafleur looked really happy when they when they drafted you know Jordan Love. You know, looked really happy and all that. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I'm like, okay, okay. That was also the COVID year. So all the draft was all virtual. Cameras are all over the place. I don't think I've ever seen a coach or a GM caught being pissed off after they've made a pick in the draft. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Okay? So I'm just like, really, you know, here we are again, body language and that sort of thing. But... The part on there was that apparently that uh, the Packers knew that the pick was going to upset Aaron Rodgers. So what they did was they tried to, you know, they, they he knew he wouldn't be, they he wouldn't be happy with the selection, and to protect the relationship between him and Matt Lafleur, they told Rodgers that the decision to draft Love was strictly Goody's, was strictly Goody's. All right, you know, I'm trying to trying to save the the relationship there. So, forgot to mention that. I wanted to wanted to get get back to that one. Now, remember, it was about a week or two ago we had heard Devonte Adams talking a little bit more. He was on the I Am Athlete podcast. That's the Brandon Marshall podcast, where he kind of uh, talked a little bit more about his final days with Green Bay and the whole you know contract thing. And Aaron kind of added more to it. 
Uh, they offered him, Devontae, less money than Christian Kirk, $18 million per year. And Adams is going, are you serious right now? I'm the best receiver in the league, and you're going to offer me less than Christian Kirk? With all due respect, he's not on Devontae's level. I'm sure that the team will say that that's just the business of negotiation. It's like, yeah, but you're also sending a message to that guy. And a lot of times, it can stick with guys and make them a little sour on things. That goes back to the first offer that they made, and I don't think the Packers had the foresight. Obviously, they didn't have the foresight. I get what Aaron's saying there. I do. I mean, you know, kind of put yourself in that position, maybe. You you, you get an offer, and you're like, okay, that I know I'm better than that dude. I'm way better than that dude. And, and you're offering me less. Some, well, you know, it, it might piss them off right away and it's no recovering from it and they're just going to hold that grudge and it sure kind of sounds like that's what went down with the whole Devonte thing and then when they made that offer the reported offer where he was going to make more money it just you know it stuck in his mind about that that first offer and just never got anywhere after that so there you go uh, some other highlights. Rodgers uh, didn't show up to voluntary OTAs after the team had drafted Watson and Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs and Samari Torre. This is a part of where I know a lot of fans have been a little irritated and, and uh, upset or criticized Rodgers for never showing up to OTAs. Well, here's Rodgers saying that uh, he didn't feel like his presence was important as the as important as the team did, saying any progress made during voluntary OTAs is very, very minimal. According to a source associated with the team, the Packers weren't satisfied with Rodgers' commitment and effort, not only during voluntary OTAs, but on a day-to-day basis afterwards. Rodgers takes exception to that thought, that the team wanted more from him in the months after giving him the richest contract in NFL history. Rodgers saying, when I'm in, I'm all in. And you want to ride with off-season workouts? Kind of a little Allen Iverson sounding there. Practice? Talk about practice, man. Rodgers went on to say, I won, I won MVP without doing off-season workouts. Like, was my commitment any less then? I'd say not at all. The way that I come back to work... Not just physically in good shape, but mentally refreshed, is the best thing for me to have uh, the season I wanted to have during those in Green Bay. I think that's just a cop out written to try and find something to disparage me about that. Honestly, when you know what offseason workouts are really about, it's completely ridiculous. Now, the whole offseason workout thing wasn't just a thing that has popped up the last couple of years with Rodgers. Go back to when the Packers won the Super Bowl, then it was the strike year. And then uh, remember, like, it was a, a certain sports personality out there who starts with, uh, with an S and ends with a kip was criticizing Rodgers for not getting his receivers together, getting his team together during the strike and having these off-season workouts like Drew Brees did. And then Packers, Saints, week one, they open up the season. 
the offense puts up a bunch of points, and then Rodgers after the game, you know, in his his kind of typical, you know, fashion, saying the 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 quote. Now, can you imagine of you know how many points we would have put up if we would have had off season workouts? You know, kind of taking a shot that way. So this isn't something that has just popped up the last couple of years. It's been something the last few. Now, Aaron has showed up mostly for every OTA besides the last couple of years here, but can kind of connect some of the dots here. And then, you know, when I saw that, read that part, and I'm thinking, okay, you're 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 downplaying OTAs. You're downplaying developing a connection with your new teammates, these young guys coming in. Yet he's doing exactly what Green Bay wanted him to do. He's doing it right now with the Jets. Right? We can all agree with that, right? He's doing it. What he's doing now with the Jets is exactly what Green Bay wanted him to do last year. He's doing that now. So if you're going to discredit off-season workouts and OTAs, or I should say voluntary OTAs, and calling it you know, very minimal, you're doing it right now, man. We're, we're getting flooded with videos of you tossing to Garrett Wilson, hanging out with your new teammates and your new tight ends and all that sort of stuff. If it's very minimal, what are you doing? Why aren't you sitting on the beach in California working out on your own like you usually do then, bro? So you can sit there and criticize it. And I've been one to say, yeah, it might be a little overrated here and there. But don't don't downplay your your voluntary time with your team, and, and, and especially with new guys coming in. Don't downplay that and saying it's not a big deal when you're doing it with your new team right now. You're being hypocritical. It just it does. It, anyways, Rogers went on to say, "I showed up to work. I brought the same commitment, the same type of energy, and obviously there were some trying times and frustration as we went through that losing streak. But we put on a strong run to finish the season and came up short. I feel good about the way I showed up for my guys every single week." And it's convenient now to look at that, but it wasn't a conversation when Russ and Matt and Brian and Mark would thank me for my speeches after games or the way I fought, played, and different things. You can rewrite history all you want, but like I said, I still got the receipts. Throwing that out there. I got receipts. Now, let's go to this whole the whole FaceTime thing again. All right. So, Rodgers said that after the season ended, the Packers had told him to take as much time as he wanted to make a decision about his future. Rodgers saying they told him, we want you to retire a Packer. We'll figure everything else out, but we want you to be here. Goody and Rogers, and this is something we heard about a month ago, I think. Goody and Rogers agreed to meet in person in Southern California, where Rogers lives, and where Goody was traveling for the uh, NFL Players Association Collegiate Bowl. They never connected when, when, when Goody was out there. 
Roger's excuse, life happens. When I hit him back, he was already out of town. But it wasn't like I hit him back like five days later. He hit me up like in the morning of one day, and I hit him up either the night or the next morning or the next day, and then he was gone. It wasn't like there was a date we were for sure meeting at this time in this place. It was like, hey, I'm coming out west. I'm driving, whatever. You want to get together? I said, yeah, I got a busy schedule. I'm working out. I got things going on. I got appearances, but I'd like to make it work too. Okay, dude. You know, you were making it sound like a while back that nobody was reaching out to you. You just admitted Goody reached out to you, and you just admitted yourself you were the one late in responding. But go ahead and downplay it. That's fine. You know, that's that's fine. Um, and then he mentioned that uh, the, the FaceTime thing. I have zero or one bar at the house, so you call me. Sometimes it goes through. Most of the time it drops, and it doesn't go through. Everybody who knows me when I'm out west, they know that's how to get a hold of me. So you can say whatever you want about that, but that's the blanking truth. Can't say that word that he said. Before I went in the darkness, I hit him up and said, Hey, there's some stuff swirling around here. We should get together, you, me, and Matt. So, you know, I'm not a technology wizard. Okay, calls don't come in. But apparently texts do. So, I mean, texts obviously work here. Phone calls don't. You already admitted saying you're a little lackadaisical and returning some texts. I mean, we've all been there. It's like you text somebody. It's like, dude, text me back for crying out loud. And then you get like a day later. You've done it. I've done it sort of thing. Don't sit there and say the, the whole FaceTime thing. I mean, FaceTime right now is probably, you know, dude, they got a they got to sign him to an endorsement deal because he is, like, just piping them up right now. But don't sit there and say FaceTime's the only one it works when you've flat-out admitted that texting also works. Roger said he entered the darkness thinking he would retire, but he emerged feeling good about uh, either retiring or continuing to play. He contacted Dunn, his agent, who told Rogers that the Packers had been shopping him. Rodgers then told Dunn to tell Goody he wanted to betray the Jets. <laughs> and this is where I chuckled when I read this part. This is from Rodgers. Did Brian text me more than I texted him? Yeah. Yeah, I did. Yeah, he did. But did I ghost him? No. I texted him back. There was back and forth that we had. And so this is the story you want to go with. You're going to stand on this hill. And say that arguably in the conversation of the best player in your franchise history, you're going to say, I couldn't get a hold of him, and that's why we had to move on? Like, come on, man. Just tell the truth. You wanted to move on. You didn't like the fact that we didn't communicate all the time. Like, listen, I talk to the people that I like. Here's my other grind my gears thing with you, Aaron. You preached, preached about communication, about wanting open lines of communication, about always communicating. You preached that how many times? Again, on your buddy's show, Pat McAfee. You talked about it. And now you just come out here and say, you didn't like the fact that we didn't communicate, saying you to Goody. 
You didn't like the fact that we didn't communicate all the time. Like, listen, I talk to the people that I like. You can't sit there and say or preach about communication and wanting more communication and then coming out and saying, I only like talking to people that I like. You, You can't be mad about, you know, if we don't communicate all the time. Hypocritical again. Hypocritical again. So, I don't know. It just, it's it's frustrating, it's annoying, it's drama, and I'm sick and tired that we're here again 15 years later. 15 years later. I just, it's, it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. Sum it up. Rogers had nothing but nice things to say about Jordan Love. I like Jordan a lot. Jordan's a good dude. It's tough. Uh, it's tough to be a backup behind a future Hall of Famer. You've got to kind of find that sweet spot. I thought he did a great job with that. But he's a good-hearted kid. It's undetermined his future. But from the physical standpoint, I thought he improved his fundamentals this last year. He gets a chance to blaze his own trails, be his own man, and lead in the way he best sees fit. Take the good things he learned from me, things he would do differently, do them differently. That's what I did when I took over. So there you got it. You can read the whole thing. There's other quotes and and comments and, and that sort of stuff on there, but your biggest takeaways from this. To me, one of the biggest things I take away from it, a lot of hypocritical stuff. Just me. There's always I, again. There's there's always two sides to a story, and a lot of times the truth is somewhere in the middle of this thing. But for me, when I read this, and I know we just kind of have to base our judgments and, and thoughts on on this article, which Matt Schneidman, fantastic job. But we go back to some of the stuff that Aaron has said recently, and then you read this, and then there's just there's no consistency in it. The message seems to get altered, changed up to fit a narrative sometimes. And it's just annoying. And it's frustrating that we got to this point. I get it from a human standpoint. Guy's upset. Somebody came in. And took his job. He wanted to finish his career there. He got upset when the team drafts his eventual replacement. It's different when it comes to a quarterback, right? It's not like, you know, a running back or, or a wide receiver. We don't talk about that when a team drafts a wide receiver when they've already got one or two on their team about this guy replacing that. It becomes more hyper-focused when it, when it comes to a quarterback. I get it. It's human nature to feel a little irritated, a little disappointed, a little upset. And sometimes it is, I've been there, pretty sure a lot of us have been there, it is hard to take the high road and just put on a smile all the time and 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 just carry the message of the team every single time and just you know say all the politically correct things. It's hard. We don't want to do it a lot of times. But I think my biggest takeaway from reading some of this stuff is and what just kind of 
grinds my gears a little bit, if you will, if this was a grind my gears Tuesday, is the consistency in the messaging. Don't tell us one thing and, and go on a hill and preach this one thing, especially like when it comes to communication and the OTAs thing, and then go and say something different just a couple weeks later or do something different than what you were just sitting there and preaching to all of us. That's the thing that just I, I can't buy. And I'm a Rodgers guy. I've been a Rodgers guy for a long time. I wasn't a Rodgers guy when he was first drafted. I didn't think the guy had it. First couple of years, didn't look like he had it when he was a backup. And I was wrong. I was completely wrong, and I'm glad I was wrong for crying out loud. But, man, here we are again 15 years later. I just want to talk football. I want to talk about football. I hope we're, we're nearing the end of this. He said, she said stuff. I get it. It's a talking point. We're talking about it. It it, it draws attention and all that, but I just can't wait when we can finally just talk straight up ball, straight up about the team, straight up about football. Have you started planning your summer vacations yet? Making that checklist of things you need to do before that vacation? Now let me ask you the next question. Are you confident your vehicle can handle that road trip that you're planning? If you hesitated, the answer is no. So here's what you do. Just visit Toys and Ford and check out their new and used inventory to upgrade that vehicle of yours. Or you can schedule an appointment with their service center to get your vehicle ready for that road trip. Make your vacations this summer more memorable with the help from Toys and Ford. Summer is a busy time. Holidays, vacations, get-togethers, which also means you're going to need a lot of food. So you need a go-to place you can trust that has the widest selection of products with the best prices and the best fuel saver program in the Chippewa Valley. That's Hy-Vee in Eau Claire. From their meat department, deli, bakery, and more, Hy-Vee has you covered for all those get-togethers and vacations for this summer. Plus, save more money for your vacations with their epic fuel savers program. Make it a memorable and epic summer with the help from Hy-Vee. The U.S. Senior Open is uh, coming to the great state of Wisconsin over in uh, Stevens Point at Century World in just a few weeks. And to kind of uh, help us break it down and get an early look at it, NBC Sports golf analyst Mark Rolfling joining Rolfling joining us this morning. Mark, appreciate uh, you taking some time and uh, uh, talking with us here in the Chippewa Valley. Great. Thanks for having me, Dan. I'm wondering if you can send me an entry blank for the uh, Casper Classic there. I'd like to get in that. Hey, if you're in, man, I'll take you on my team, too, because we're giving away title belts for the winners, so I need some help with my golf game. So if you're if you're up for it, we can, we can hook that up, man. Did you see the story about J.D. Holmes, who played in a club event last weekend? Uh, it was a... Um a scramble format, and mm-hmm. he's won five PGA Tour events. He entered under another name, a $30,000 Calcutta. His team was set to win, and they busted him. Really? Like the, uh, yeah, on the 15th hole, took him off the course. And I, <laughs> I did not see that. I, that's awesome. Yeah, great story. Yeah. Well, hey, I know you're over at, uh, at Century World. I know you're spending some time with our good friend Lance Allen uh, yesterday. How does how does the course look, and how is it shaping up for the uh, for the for the Open coming up in a few weeks? You know, Dan. Every time I see Century World, I like it more. Uh, you know, people have an impression of Century World from seeing pictures of it or photos or or listening to you on the on the radio or or me, you know, on social media or something, but. The more I look at Century World, the more I like it from the first tee to the 18th green. There's a few holes that get most of the attention, the flower hole, 
mm-hmm. obviously, but it is uh, a really well-balanced golf hole. Uh, for the folks that were watching the senior PGA last week where Stricker and Harrington came down to the end, Century World is the exact opposite of that golf course. That one is very long, wide open. Uh, this is a precision-style golf course. It's going to play like a U.S. Open of old. I think it's going to be tough. I think the scores will be much higher here than they were in Dallas last week or Frisco last week. Uh, but having said that, I think you'll see Stricker and Harrington right at the end here also. You, you mentioned uh, uh, Steve Stricker, and I was going to ask you about that. You know, Harrington, uh, defending champ, I believe, from last year. Steve Stricker just won last week. He's he's our he's Wisconsin's ambassador for for golf, you know, right now, and I think he's going to be one of the fan favorites uh, over there. How do you like his game setting up uh, for for Century World in a couple weeks? I'll tell you what I like most about his game, Dan, is he's the most disciplined player I think I've ever seen in my career. It was amazing to me last week. There was a short par five of the back nine, the fourteenth hole, and he had. Uh, great drives every day, laid it up every day, even though he was in the 200-yard range uh, to get it on the green and two. He didn't, re- you know, he resisted the temptation. He laid it up every day, and from 90 yards, four days in a row, he made three birdies and an eagle. He holed it one of those days. So he played the whole five under par. Harrington, who was ripping it at the green and two, uh, I think played it two or three under par, and uh that's basically where Stricker won the tournament with his discipline. And it's going to take a lot of that out here at Century World. There are some difficult angles out here, and the rough is high. You should see it this morning because there's a little dew on the grass. Uh, it's almost like they put uh, some balsamic vinaigrette down on this <laughs> five-inch rough right now. I don't think it's going to be quite that long and thick for the U.S. Senior Open. But it is, is definitely uh, a huge factor. For, for Steve Stricker, um, you know, for uh, some of us who may not have spent some time with him in between the ropes or, or gotten to know him, I don't think I've ever seen anybody you know, from the PGA say anything negative about Steve Stricker. I know Tiger Woods has even talked about him, you know, Ryder Cup captain. Can you just kind of give us a little bit of a maybe insight on, on the type of person Steve Stricker is and, and just kind of maybe his personality or, or his style of game too? Steve Stricker is one of the wonderful human beings that I've known ever. Uh, I really like the guy. He is a down-home Wisconsin guy, Dan. I'll tell you, uh, he, of course, grew up down in Everton, and um, I, I, I think, or maybe it's Edgerton, just mm-hmm. outside Madison, but he tried moving to Florida, I think maybe in his when he was in his 30s or early 40s, because, you know, all the good players like to get out of the cold-weather places, get down they think they're going to get better in florida uh by playing golf over the winter and he went down there for a year and it didn't work he he didn't enjoy it it didn't make him any better and he moved back to wisconsin and here he is still uh he is a down-home guy he still works on his game using mirrors and old style training devices he does some video but not not at all like kind of the guys that you see in the real modern era He's a family man through and through. He had his daughter, Izzy, on the bag uh, last week at the Senior PGA. But, of course, Nikki, the, uh, his wife, has caddied for him. Bobby, his other daughter, has caddied for him. Family is absolutely number one. And, no, I have never heard anybody say a bad word about Steve Stricker either. You know, with uh, with Wisconsin in the golfing world, you know we've seen the U.S. Open at Aaron Hills. Obviously, you know we've seen whistling straights quite a bit now, Century World with the U.S. Senior Open. 
Where would you say? Do you think Wisconsin, and maybe it's more so for us who live in this in this state, we feel like we're a little underrated in terms of the the quality of of golf courses in this state. What is it from like uh, from your perspective or from the national perspective? How do others in the golfing community, golfing world, view Wisconsin and and the golf courses that we have in this state? Oh, I can tell you right now, Dan, Wisconsin has made it into the top five of golf destinations in America. Period. As far as I'm concerned, you look at the iconic places like you know Bandon Dunes and Pebble Beach out on the West Coast and Pinehurst and Long Island. Wisconsin is getting into that category. I grew up in Northern Illinois uh, and play, and that was a mighty long time ago. But uh, I played almost all of my sort of destination golf in Michigan. That's where we went. Uh, there, there wasn't a Kohler. There wasn't an Aaron Hills. There wasn't a Century World. Uh, there was a Lawsonia Lynx, and we used to come up there every once in a while. But now, um, you know, Wisconsin is just unbelievable. I don't think I would drive around the lake and go to Michigan anymore if I were still in DeKalb, Illinois. I'd be coming to Wisconsin all the time. It's a phenomenal golf destination. And the thing that's so great about it that I like is that you have this different variety of courses. What you find at, at Sand Valley is totally different mm-hmm. than Century World, which is totally different than Aaron. There's a lot of diversity. Yeah, you mentioned Sand Valley. That's one course I have. Have you been to Sand Valley yet? I have been to Sand Valley. Yeah. It's spectacular. It looks spectacular. Uh, they've done just a fantastic job over there. Uh, Mark Walfing, a US, uh, or, uh, NBC Sports golf analyst, joining us here this morning, getting ready for the U.S. Senior Open, uh, coming to Century World in just a few weeks over there in Stevens Point. Uh, how is, you know, you, you've talked about Century World, you know, you've been there a, a few times, but what are some of the unique aspects uh, with, with Century World and hosting uh, this major championship right now? What are some of the main, I guess, uh, some of the, the challenges that Central World might present some of these uh, some of these golfers? Well, you know, I, I would say the challenge, biggest challenge is the infrastructure of hotel rooms in the area. It's, you know, right in center, central Wisconsin. This is going to be the biggest sporting event, I think, that central Wisconsin mm-hmm. has ever seen. Uh, but, and, and so accommodations are a little bit of a challenge. There's going to be a lot of drive drive-in for this event, but I can tell you this. I don't know if I have seen a major championship, Dan, that is going to have easier access for the spectators than this one. Uh, if you don't have tickets, you ought to go to USSeniorOpen.com and, and get some right now because, first of all, the parking is the closest on uh, parking that I have seen for a major in forever. You can get off I-39, Go into a public parking lot and be inside the gates in Century World in less than 10 minutes, uh, which is going to be really, really easy. The other thing is Century World is a pretty compact golf course. It's in a, uh, I would say, an envelope of maybe 200 acres at the max. But you, you're not wandering around all day long all over the Wisconsin countryside trying to watch golf. Aaron Hills is pretty spread out. It's spectacular but pretty spread out. Central World is not like that at all. So it is going to be great viewing. And now that we've got Stricker having won the first two senior majors, I mean, think about it. This guy's coming in here uh, with a chance to get the third leg of the senior slam, uh, which is would be remarkable, and he gets a chance to do it in front of his hometown fans. There's going to be a huge rooting interest here. It's going to feel a little bit more like a home college football game down at Camp Randall, I think, mm-hmm. uh, than a golf tournament. 
That's I mean that's that's I mean he's done such great and, and the funny part too is I think a lot of people kind of forget he played at the University of Illinois you know with with his golfing career he went a little a little down south to, to Illinois there but yet he's he's Wisconsin through and through and what he's doing you know down in Madison with uh, with with what's upcoming TPC Wisconsin for the AmFam Championship in 2025 too it's it's been remarkable what he's done for this for this game in in the state of Wisconsin. Yeah, he's Wisconsin through and through. He, they didn't have a full scholarship for him, and I think it was his father in law, Dennis Tiziani, who was the golf coach at Wisconsin back then. I think offered him maybe like a half a scholarship, and he said, "Forget it. I'm going down to uh, Champaign." And uh, he went down there. Probably was a good thing in some ways. Got him out into the world a little bit, and he wasn't as good back then. He has made himself a better player. If, you, if you're a recreational golfer, you should just really look at Steve Stricker and see how his career has just steadily gotten better and better and better and better. He wasn't a huge uh, Jordan Spieth kind of come out after junior golf and be a superstar right away. Uh, he, he worked on his game, and where did he work on it? Around the greens. His chipping and putting is spectacular. Uh, Mark has has Century World changed up anything to to gear up for for the senior open? Now the last time I've been there, it, it's been a few years since I since I was able to to golf Century World. But have they adjusted any of the holes or, or anything over there for for the senior open, or is it pretty much kind of what it what what it's been like for for the last year, last couple of years over there? Do you know? It's pretty much like it's been. There's been a few adjustments. The biggest thing is the rough right now. Now, when I was here, I came up here, Dan, right after the Masters, and there was still snow on the ground. <laughs> so I didn't get a real good look at it like I did yesterday out there. But what they've had to do is just let the rough grow and grow and grow. And uh, as you know, the, the golf course is not open to the public right now until this championship's over. Mm-hmm. So I really don't know what it would be like for the average guy to go out there and play right now. But I would lose two or three balls turned around out there if I was playing because the rough is that thick. I think they'll cut it down a little. It's going to be very much a driving golf course uh, in today's modern game, and particularly last week down in Frisco, Texas. You could drive it all over Texas and still shoot good scores. You cannot do that here. It's a very, very much a precision golf course. Mark, to, just to kind of wrap it up, I know you mentioned uh, Harrington. I know you. We've talked about Schricker. Is there any other? Uh, golfers that you could see where their games fit this type of course that they could be contenders in a few weeks here for the uh, for the Senior Open? Yeah, there's, there's a number of guys. Look, this is not a two-horse race at all. Uh, walking around yesterday, it was screaming the name Stephen Alker at me. Uh, I just kept thinking Stephen Alker, Stephen Alker. He's the, the guy from New Zealand that has really come on the last couple of years, won the Charles Schwab Cup. Uh, he's a very consistent player, uh, a very disciplined kind of player, not a long hitter. I, I don't think length is going to be a big factor here at all. But I kind of like Stephen Alker. I, I, I like a player sort of like Miguel Angel Jimenez. Not flashy, you know, mm-hmm. not a big bomber of the ball, but great with his distance control. And discipline is going to be the biggest thing. If you drive the ball in the rough here and you go in there and start trying to hit hero shots, uh, onto some of these greens, particularly the ones that got water around them, you know, you're going to be making some big scores. There's a double bogey uh, line ahead on almost every hole out here at Century World for this championship. Hey, Mark, before I let you go, I, I got to ask, you know, what what drew you to the game of golf? What was your inspiration? How did you get involved with with, with the game of golf? Um, 
I, you know, I wanted to play all the other sports just like everybody else. And in high school, I was a football guy and a basketball guy. And I was so embarrassed at being good at golf that I actually sewed my letter on my letter jacket for golf on the inside of my jacket so nobody could see it. Um, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of loved the people early on. Uh, there were some guys at the club in DeKalb where I grew up, Illinois, and kind of took me under their wing and taught me how to play. And then I met Arnold Palmer one day and met Jack Nicholas and, I don't know. I just I fell in love with the game at an early age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I guess my last question for you: When you've, you know, you've covered more than thirty-five years' experience reporting on the course and and from the tower. I mean, to to see the game grow as much as it did. I came up, you know, I I always say Tiger Woods made it cool for me to go golf as a kid. You know, I was kind of in that that age range when I was in high school. It's like, okay, I can go golf. Tiger's making it cool, but the 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 exposure of this sport and the, and the growth of this sport, can you just kind of reflect on how, how big it's gotten from, from your years of covering it and from your years of, of playing this game of golf? Yeah, there are two guys, really, Dan. Uh, the first one was Arnold Palmer, uh, who made golf on television real uh, and made it fun. Uh, so he gave me kind of the, the start in my career. But it was really Tiger. If I look back at, at why I'm sitting here talking to you today and why I'm going to uh, be up in the tower here at Century World in a month, calling this. It's because of Tiger Woods. I've kind of, kind of filled into this role of being the common man's analyst. I wasn't a great player, didn't have, uh, you know, a great record like almost every other analyst in the game. So, uh, but it, the reason that it has worked for me is because Tiger Woods literally started attracting, uh, more and more people that wouldn't otherwise be involved in golf to the game and it's become kind of an every person's game now it doesn't matter whether they're young old male female uh it doesn't matter any of that it, golf is becoming much more of uh an inclusive game it was an exclusive game when i started uh you had to have money and you had to have access to courses and and nowadays it's becoming much more uh affordable and much more accessible and i think that's why it's growing so much Last question for you, Mark. If you had to give any bit of advice to any of these golfers coming to Stevens Point, coming to Century World for the Senior Open, what would be the one piece of advice you would give every golfer participating in this Open? Watch the way they play the game and think about how it can help you improve your game. And you're going to see from them, uh, go to the practice area, and you will see guys spending 75% of their time chipping and putting. They, yes, it's fun going out and hitting balls and banging drivers on the range and everything else, but you want to make your game better, work on your short game. You're going to see that all day long out here. That's probably good advice for me. My six, soon-to-be six-year-old wants to start golfing, and I'm like, we're working on putting first. You know, I, I got him a putter. And yeah, do that. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, but tell him to hit it hard. Hit him hard? Yeah, tell him to hit it hard. I, hit it hard. I, I think... You know, having fun at that age is the most important thing. That's what's going to keep them going in the game if they enjoy it. So let them hit it hard. I like that. He's going to like hearing that too. So, Mark, hey, I appreciate you so much for, for stopping by and, and visiting with us here in western Wisconsin, the western part of the states. Looking forward to your coverage. And, uh, you know, I'll be over there at Century World. So if I see you there, I'd be I'd love to meet you. And, uh, again, thank you so much for, for stopping by here for a few minutes and chatting a little golf with us here. You got it. Thanks, Dan. You got it. There you go. Mark uh, Mark Rolfing uh, joining us here this morning for 
little U.S. Uh, senior open. That's really good. And what what he said about the tradition, the game breaking down, um, dovetails actually with something I was I I just wrote about actually in volume one. I did a story because they had a, a golf section in the stories. It didn't make the print edition just yet, but it's online, so you can look for it. It's on the Stout. Um, was it the Golf Enterprise Management Program? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I actually looked at that when I was coming out of high school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a really good program, as I learned it. I didn't know anything about it until I got the story tip. Christine Schoonover, Dr. Schoonover over at Stout. And she said the same thing when I did the interview with her. She said, the traditions of the game are melting away in a good way, where you don't have to wear a certain type of clothing to play the game. There aren't all of these... I guess unwritten rules. He didn't put it that way, but that was the gist mm-hmm. of it. That you're seeing so much more diversity coming to golf, and so many more different types of people are are taking it up at a younger age. And the golf numbers are starting to come back up too. Mm-hmm. It, they were declining for a while, and this has now changed in the last two three years. And that might be part of it. As one probably leads into the other. So what Mark was talking about is exactly right. It's this game is opening up a lot very recently and that's good for that sport Mm -hmm. i mean look at just some of our prep ones in the area how many local teams are you know just yesterday advancing the state memorial remaining undefeated they're just a powerhouse right now i mean those kids shooting under par i can't even imagine doing that at this point nielsville's going to states uh for for golf regis mcdonald's going to state you know for golf and that's Mm -hmm. not counting some of the individuals uh that are going down there so and also what, what you said about wisconsin's quality and what he was saying the same thing dr schoonover said as well like this state has got a lot going for it in terms of quality courses opportunities to well like the the gem program at stout that's not playing the sport mm-hmm. you can but that's doing the business end but there's so many opportunities in the state the one thing i would say and this is has nothing to do with with any of the people we're talking to here i'm looking at the four majors and I'm still I've obviously masters are in Georgia and the opens in the mm-hmm. in the UK, the British Isles. When's the next one coming to Wisconsin? That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when that's going to be because of the PGA moving and the US Open traditionally has they try to keep it coastal. PGA. Well, and they're locking up like courses for every few years to come uh-huh. coming back cuz we were looking at that. It's like when when will it be? Not to the at least yeah. the 30s, right. I think. And I mean Far be it for me to be like, yay, climate change. I pretty much hate it. I guess the one maybe good thing is we start getting warmer weather in May, so the courses are okay for a PGA championship. Like, that's the stretch. Of course, you know what's going to be in Wisconsin. Still, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll still have cold springs until, like, May 15th. Yeah. Still won't be yeah. able to get a PGA championship. But that's, a, that's an issue. For as good as our courses are, well, how do, how do we get anything beyond... I mean, U.S. Senior Open, that's a good get. Mm-hmm. I'm had the Ryder Cup, what, a couple years ago, a few years ago at Whistling Straits. And and thankfully, the Ryder Cup is still going to be a possibility. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it'll be going back to Aaron Hills for the U.S. Open. Something's got to yeah. change. Well, hopefully, the rep of Wisconsin gets so large. And other places are, I mean, Wisconsin especially, but there are other ones, obviously. You know, there are a few in the Twin Cities area. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Michigan. Those places, hopefully, the rep gets big enough that some of the powers that be maybe make a change, but it might be a decade before we get And maybe that. that's where a guy like Steve Stricker can continue to make mm-hmm. a difference like make that, too. Make that case. Say we can golf here in Wisconsin, and it's nice to do that. Mm-hmm. I didn't mention it, but Steve Stricker, because I'm glad Mark mentioned it, he could get the third major already this year. 
on on his in his home state. Strictly the guy Sam. already has six senior major championships and fourteen PGA two, uh, Champions Tour wins. Wow. wow! It's almost like is it fair to say? And I know we got to take a really quick break here, but is it fair to say he his career will be defined by the Champions Tour success rather than his PGA Tour success right now? He's already got more Champions Tour wins, yeah, compared to PGA Tour wins. Yeah, because I can't really think of much accomplishment in that like high profile accomplishment but I knew the name obviously and I don't mm-hmm. always hear about the name um so he's always been known for his putting you know back and I'm sure that's still it's still right. the same right now but like when he was on the PGA it was a short game and it was this putting uh out there too so I think but. so and that's a fair assessment I mean you, mm-hmm. you can dominate it and they're they're I think also as we have this next generation of more not that Stricker's one of them but more athletic golfers aging mm-hmm. into the day. You start hearing some of the names on the senior tour, and you're like, whoa. Yeah, I was looking at the list the other day. I'm like, oh, I remember watching it when I was in high school in the PGA. Patrick Harrington you know? is the one yeah. I keep hearing. I'm like, oh, dang. Well, I guess, it, yeah, it's inevitable. I wonder if you start to have some that weren't, for whatever reason, able to win. I know we're in the era of anyone can win in one of the majors. But if that starts to happen a little bit more on the senior level, and a guy like Steve Stricker has that success. Right. And that rep. We won't take a break. We'll just finish it up to the end of the hour. We only got about a minute here. Okay. So, but I'm excited to see uh, to see it kind of shake out. Stri- yeah. I'll buy, be, by the way, Stricker's younger than what I thought he was. I didn't know what his age was. He's 56. Yeah. For some reason, I was thinking he was in his 60s. <laughs> I don't know why, and that's not a knock, but I, he's fairly young yet. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. I mean for for the for the champions tour over there. So okay, yeah. So here here are some of the folks, at least the names that are going to jump out: Colin Montgomery. Oh gosh, <laughs> this, that guy's this, been around for. Anybody cheer for him? Um, oh. At least over here, um, Stuart Sink. <laughs> oh my goodness! Um, I saw David Toms on oh that my. list, and I'm like, ah, I remember him. You know, when I was in high school, watching him wearing the visor and all that. You Darren know, was, Clark. Oh gosh, yeah. He's on the senior tour now. Oh gosh. Of course, we watch these as kids, so it's it's not really a shock. Uh, yeah, I'm just trying to see. There's probably a few because again, I'm just seeing the Demarco, Chris Demarco, mm-hmm. I think it was. Yep. Oh boy! You know the one player, and, and I should have asked Mark this too, but you know the other Wisconsin player that we haven't really talked a whole lot about, and I get it because Stricker's such on a hot streak, but you know, like Jerry Kelly, you know, with yeah. with his chances over at uh, uh, at. Uh, at uh, Century World. Sean McKeel is on the senior tour now. Hmm. Whoa. Yeah, there, there are a few. Retief Goosen is on it. Oh, Lee Retief, Jansen. Retief Goosen. Yep. From Austin, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Shout out so. Spam. Um, yeah, another local person. Uh, gosh. Yeah, it's inevitable. That's going to do it for us on this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Until next time, I'm Dan Casper. Thanks for tuning in. And we'll chat with you again on the next episode of the Man Cave Podcast. That's going to do it for this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. Big thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Man Cave Podcast. A couple of quick reminders for you. Don't forget to follow and subscribe to the Man Cave Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms like Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Amazon or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can leave us a voice message, whether it's a comment, analysis, 
or a question for a question and answer segment. Just get that link in the podcast description. Also, don't forget to rate and review the podcast if you haven't done so already. This helps other people find the Man Cave Podcast. And be a friend and tell a friend about the Man Cave Podcast. Until the next episode, I'm Dan Casper, and thank you for listening to the Man Cave Podcast.